give you a couple things real quick on this uh, Faith Promise card. First of all, <clears throat> uh, the expectation for missions giving is placed on the members of the church. So if you're not a member, don't feel obligated to, to do this. Uh, you're more than welcome to. Um, but want to make sure that's clear because we don't want to come across as just begging for money. Um, and we don't beg for money. We, we trust God to d- d- provide for us what He would have us to give uh, for missions. And so this sets our missions budget. Once we have these commitments in, it's, it's what our missions budget is. And then from there we can determine whether or not we can add missionaries or raise the support of our current missionaries and so on and so forth from there. Uh, the numbers on here are just options for you. You don't have to pick any of these numbers. You can pick your own number as well. Uh, here's a couple of things I'd, I'd suggest to you as you're praying about this. Uh, number one, I'd suggest that you give regularly. So uh, our family gives monthly, um, and that's how it, it works best for us. Uh, there are folks who like to give one-time gifts. Uh, as opposed to uh, every month or every week or whatever, so they just give a one-time uh, lump sum. That's, that's fine. Um, but I would encourage you to consider giving regularly, uh, whether it be weekly or monthly. Uh, this will help keep your mind on what you're doing. Remember that you're doing it. Um, and it'll help you be more prayerful in it as well. So that's just a suggestion uh, from there as well. Um, we give as a family. Uh, we don't split it up between us as a family. Uh, you can do it however you'd like if you'd like to split it up and have uh, the kids commit a certain amount and, and you commit a certain amount. But um, in most cases, it's coming out of the adults' pockets anyhow. So, uh, But it's up to you. You do it however you want to do it. Um, but uh, when we turn in these cards, you'll, there's a little uh, piece on the end that you can rip off uh, right here that's for you to keep. And then the other part's for you to turn in. You don't put your name on it anywhere. This is uh, uh, anonymous, and uh, it's a commitment between you and God of what you're go- going to give, committing to give throughout the rest of the year. And again, we just need the numbers so that we can set the budget and then from there, it's, it's, it's all between you and God on, on, on whether or not you're actually giving it. Um, the church commits to whatever the commitments come in at, and, uh, and then God provides for the church to give that amount to the missionaries. So, um, so that's what that's about. We'll, we'll again collect these next week, as well as the first week of August. Hopefully that will get everybody um, here and everybody able to uh, get that in in time for us to be able to set that budget. We'd like to have that set before we give you the proposed budget. In past years, we've had to turn in the proposed budget and then add in the missions budget after we had the cards turned in. So we're trying to get that all done before we give you the proposed budget uh, as well this year. So we're praying about that. If eight families uh, give $10 more than what they gave last year, we can add one missionary. Um, I guess you could technically say less than that if, if we give them less than $80, which is what we're sending right now to our missionaries. Uh, so if eight, eight families commit to $10 more than what they gave last year, We'll be able to add one more missionary uh, from there. So that gives you an idea of kind of the numbers of it all as well uh, from there. Uh, Matthew chapter 19 this morning. Matthew chapter 19. And uh, so I was praying about what to, what to preach on this morning as we've got two more weeks this Sunday and next Sunday to close out our missions month. And, and by the way, I think we've had a great missions month so far. I, I really... Uh, I told you before they came, the Vances are a family that I'm burdened for, would love to help. Uh, the Joneses I didn't know uh, at all. I, I was really helped by Brother Jones's Sunday school lesson and, and message last week. I thought they were both really good. Um, and they've got a, a, a somewhat unique ministry as well. So uh, looking forward to talking about that more. But uh, we come into this week now and, uh, and these next two weeks, and the focus is kind of, in Missions Month, a lot of times the focus is on giving, and, uh, because that's what we're doing as a church, right? And, uh, and some of it goes to uh, the going part aspect of it. Obviously, it's important that we share the gospel and we get out. We do our part to accomplish the Great Commission in going and teaching and preaching the gospel. And then the other aspect of that is giving so that others can go and supporting them and and making sure that that the places that I'm not going to, uh, someone is going to and I'm helping them get there. And uh, and that's really what our missions month is focused on. We come to a story in Matthew chapter 19 that that isn't talking about missions. Um, And honestly, it's not really even talking about giving. Uh, But if you would bear with me this morning, I believe we can learn some things that will help us in regards to giving to missions. I I don't know what to title uh, 
this message. I'm not sure why we'll put it up on the podcast. I've got two titles for it. One is Peace in Giving, and then the other one is Rich and Last or Godly and First. Um, so we'll figure out by the end what we want to call it, and then we'll, we'll put it on the podcast for you, okay? Let's read. This is the story of the rich young ruler, uh, starting in verse number 16. And the Bible says, that we're in Matthew 19, verse 16. It says, And behold, one came and said unto him, Good master, he's talking to Jesus, uh, What good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life? And he, Jesus, said unto him, Why callest thou me good? There is none good but one, that is, God. But if thou wilt enter into life, keep the commandments. And he saith unto him, Which? Jesus said, Thou shalt do no murder. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Uh, thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not bear false witness. Honor thy father and thy mother, and thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. The young man saith unto him, All these things have I kept from my youth up. What lack I yet? Jesus said unto him, If thou wilt be perfect... Go and sell that thou hast, and give to the poor, and thou shalt have a treasure in heaven, and come and follow me. But when the young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. Then said Jesus unto his disciples, Verily I say unto you, that a rich man shall hardly enter into the kingdom of heaven. And I say unto you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of heaven. When his disciples heard it, they were exceedingly amazed, saying, Who then can be saved? But Jesus beheld them and said unto them, With men this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. Then answered Peter and said unto him, Behold, we have forsaken all and followed thee. What shall we have therefore? And Jesus said unto them, Verily I say unto you that ye which have followed me and the regeneration, when the Son of Man shall sit in the throne of His glory, you shall sit upon twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. And every one that hath forsaken houses, or brethren, or sisters, or father, or mother, or wife, or children, or lands, uh, for my name's sake, shall receive an hundredfold, and shall inherit everlasting life. But many that are first shall be last, and the last shall be first. Lord, I pray for your help this morning. I pray that uh, as, as we go through this passage, that I would be presented clearly and correctly. And Lord, I pray that as we desire to do your will in regards to giving to missions, Lord, I pray that today this would be a help to us. Uh, Lord, I pray that you would help us to see ourselves in this passage. Lord, that our hearts and our minds would be clear to distraction, that would be open to receive what you would have us to receive today, that we can grow closer to you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Is it time to wrap up already? Uh, <laughs> all right. Uh, we're looking here at the rich young ruler and the story between him and of the uh, disciples and, and uh, the questions that were asked afterwards. And I want us to see, first of all, number one, that works are only so good. Works are only so good. The question that's asked here in verse number 16 by this young man, he says, Master, what good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life? He's asking, how can I earn heaven? Now remember, he's talking to Jesus before Jesus had died on the cross. So for us today, we go, uh, well, salvation is a result of Christ's death on the cross and his, his burial and his resurrection. Well, obviously that hadn't happened yet. So he's asking to Jesus, what good thing should I do to receive everlasting life? And so Jesus tells him, well, you need to do the commandments. Now, I'm reading into this, and so it's a little bit of my opinion here, but I think it's right, so, so stick with me and feel free to, to argue with me later if you'd like. But here, Jesus, I think, playing with him is the wrong word, but Jesus is getting to a point. All right, he's getting to a point. So he's not saying, do the commandments and you'll be saved. That's not what he's saying. We'll, we'll get to that here in just a second, but I want to make sure that's clear. So he says to this young man, do the commandments. And the young man says, which commandments? So Jesus lists a few, right? These are part of the Ten Commandments, uh, things that he's been teaching. And he says to them, well, don't murder. Check, haven't done that. Don't commit adultery. Check, haven't done that. Don't steal. Check, haven't done that. Don't uh, bear false witness. 
Now, he says he hasn't done this since his youth uh, up, so I'm not sure if that means from his birth or not, because we've all lied. <laughs> so uh, you can, I, I can believe you haven't murdered. I can believe you haven't committed adultery. I can believe you haven't stolen. Bearing false witness is one that I have a hard time believing that, that not every person in the world has ever committed. But maybe, maybe the young man was saying, you know, for a long time now, I've been good with that. So he says, uh, and then he says, honor thy father and mother, which most kids fail at at some point in time in life, but maybe this guy did not, and love thy neighbor as thyself. And so the young man said, I've done all these things since my youth up, so what lack I? What else am I missing? And Christ says to him in verse 21, if you're perfect, go and sell all that thou hast, give it to the poor, you'll receive treasures in heaven, and then he says, come and follow me. The response of this young man is he walks away sorrowful because he has great possessions. He doesn't want to give up everything that he's had. He's worked hard for it. He's earned it. Uh, he's gained it. He's saved it. Whatever it may be, he's, he doesn't want to give all that away. For that's what he's, he's earned. In verse 27, uh, Peter, he says, God, we've forsaken all. We've done what he didn't do. And we followed you. So what do we get? And he says there in verse 28, I say unto you that ye which have followed me in the regeneration of the Son of Man, uh, when the Son of Man shall sit in the throne of his glory, you'll be sitting right there with me. You'll have your throne. You'll have your reward. And then he says in verse 29, those that have forsaken houses and uh, siblings, brothers and sisters, and father and mother, and wife and children and lands, for my name's sake, they'll receive a hundredfold and shall inherit everlasting life. So he's saying here a couple of things. Let's, let's make sure again that we, ex we explain it clearly here. He says to the, to the rich young man, he says, um, you know, do the commandments. And the, the young man said, I've done them. What have I lacked? And Jesus said, if you're perfect, okay, sell everything that you have and give it to the poor and then follow me. And the young man said, I'm not going to do that. The disciples say, well, God, we have done that. Now, they didn't say we followed all those commandments, but, but they did say We've, we have forsaken everything. They did, literally. Uh, some of them uh, left their jobs and followed Christ, if not all of them. Some of them spent time away from their families to follow Christ. Some of them, you remember, the brothers were fishing with their father, and Christ said, follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. And they, they left their dad, and they left their nets, and they went and they followed Jesus. So they had forsaken family, they had forsaken their homes, they had forsaken their property, they had forsaken uh, everything that they knew, and they followed Jesus. Now the cynic would say, this is work salvation. They've earned their way to heaven. But that's not the case. And may I explain it through, through Romans. Let's go to Romans chapter 10. Remember in Ephesians, the Bible says that salvation is not by works, lest any man should boast, but it's by grace and through faith. In Romans chapter 10, we see that supported and backed up. Look in verse number 9. We're talking about, at this moment, we're talking about uh, the question that the young ruler asked, how do I get eternal life? Uh, and he says here in verse number 9, Romans 10, verse 9, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, and thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the Scripture saith, Whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. For there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So backing up the Scripture, the Scripture works together. It never contradicts itself. God, God does not contradict himself. And so Scripture tells us that by grace, through faith, you are saved, not by works lest any man should boast. 
You cannot earn your way to heaven. You cannot work your way to heaven. You cannot recompense your way to heaven. It's not the way it works. You're only saved by grace through faith. Then you get to Romans 10, and there are people who will argue that Romans 10 teaches works salvation. Again, which is not true, and we'll explain it all here in just a second. But what they will what argue is, well, if I have to confess my sin to God, that's a work. If I have to call on God, that's a work. And here is what the Bible teaches us. Confessing, believing, as it says here in Romans 10.9, and calling are not works, they are a sign of faith. So what I mean by that is, um, if I'm saved when I confess, or when I believe, or when I call, isn't that works? No, what happens is, is God works in my life, and He shows me that I'm in need of salvation. I'm a sinner, and because I'm a sinner, I deserve hell. The Bible says, uh, for all of sin and come short of the glory of God, and the wages of sin is death. So what the Bible teaches me is, is that because I am a sinner and we all are sinners, there is none righteous, no, not one. Because I am a sinner, the wages, the payment for my sin is death. It's eternal death. It's eternal separation from God in a place that God created called hell. So that's where I deserve to be. So how do I get out of that punishment that I deserve? Well, the Bible says the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. That while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us because He loved us. And then it comes to Romans 10 and it tells us that if we confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in our heart that God hath raised Him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. That whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So is that a work to get saved? No. Salvation comes by grace through faith. When my faith is placed in the grace of God to save me, when I come to the realization that I can't save me, there's nothing I can do to save me. I'm doomed. Or the word that the Bible says is I'm damned to hell. I'm condemned there. That's where I deserve to go. I can't save myself. Only God can save me. So when I come to the realization that God loved me so much that He sent His Son Jesus, as John 3.16 tells us, and the Scriptures clearly tell us, that God sent His Son, His only begotten Son, to earth for the purpose of paying the price for my sin. When He died on the cross, He paid the price of my sin. When He rose from the dead, He became victorious over sin, death, and hell. And now that provides for me the gift, that's what the, the word the Bible uses, the gift of God, which is eternal life. So how do I get that gift? God offers it, so how do I get it? Well, I believe, I confess, and I call. And, and in saying that, um, I was always taught, and I think this is a, the best example of it. I grew up at camp, and at camp there's preaching, and at the end of the service there's an invitation. And so you've got hundreds of kids sitting in this auditorium, and then you've got adults standing down at the front. And uh, the preacher will preach, and when he's done preaching, he'll say, uh, he'll give the invitation, and he'll say, if you, uh, uh, the Lord spoke to you about this, come forward, and someone will pray with you and help you, uh, counsel you, and the other things. And if you need to be saved, would you come to the front, and someone will show you from the Bible how you can know for sure that you're saved. And kids will come to the front, and an adult will take a Bible, and they'll go through the plan of salvation with them, and they'll, they'll have them pray and receive Christ. Ask the Lord. Call upon the name of the Lord so they can be saved. And I was always taught that um, in, in many cases, and in, in most cases, the salvation has occurred, honestly, before the kid ever prayed the prayer vocally prayed the prayer. Why? Because when that kid stepped out of the aisle, stepped into the aisle to come to the front, in his heart he's already said, God, I'm a sinner and I need to be saved. He's already believed. And so he comes to the front and someone just makes sure that they understand what salvation is. Because there's a lot of confusion, right? There, there are preachers all over the world who will tell you different ways that you can get to heaven. The Bible tells you there's one way. It's through Jesus Christ alone. 
And so they go through the Bible and make sure that they understand what's going on. I did the same thing with my children. Uh, my children were saved young, and I was saved young. And it's important that, especially as a young child, they understand what they're doing and not just being, because uh, you can talk a kid into anything. <laughs> I mean, you can talk a four-year-old into doing whatever. You can scare them, right? Scare them enough that, boy, yeah, I need to do that. And so we see here this, this understanding. We've got to make sure we understand. So the confession of sin, the confession with my mouth, Romans 10, 9, and uh, the, the uh, uh, believing in my heart and the uh, calling on the name of the Lord, it's all a result of the faith that I've placed in the grace of God. It's not a work salvation. It's God saving me still. It's not that a magic prayer saves me. No, it's when I come to the realization that I need God and I finally say, God, I need you. That's not a work. That's a placing of faith into the grace of God for him to save me. And so we look back at, at this passage in Matthew 19 and, and, and what God is saying to him, it's not that if you do all of these commandments and if you get rid of all your stuff and you follow me, then you've earned your salvation. What he's proving to this young man is it's not about you. It's about me. You're not going to be able to be good enough. You're not going to be able to sacrifice of yourself enough to save yourself. Ultimately, it's about following me. It's about giving up of yourself. The Bible says crucifying ourself, carrying our cross, crucifying ourself and following Jesus. And that's what it is. And when the disciples ask about it uh, and they say, well, we've, we've done those good works. We've given up everything. We've sacrificed um, God, again, brings it back to Jesus. It's about Jesus. It's not about them. Our works, listen, they can create a good community. They can create a pleasant environment. They can produce good things for people, but it will not produce salvation. As Christians, we ought to have good works because of our salvation. Because I'm a follower of Christ, because Christ is my heavenly Father, because Christ is my Savior, now I'm going to do what He wants me to do. And what does God want you to do? Good works. Love your neighbor as yourself. Honor your father and mother. Don't murder. Don't commit adultery. Don't steal. It's all a result of what God has done in my life to produce something out of my life. Works will only get you so far. Number two, I want us to see sacrifices necessary to follow God. Uh, back in Matthew chapter 19, uh, we, we see this as a result here. One of the things he says to this young man is, is uh, uh, if you're going to be perfect, uh, go and sell all that you have. Give to the poor, and thou shalt uh, have treasure in heaven, and come and follow me. He says, follow me. Same thing he said to his disciples, right? Follow me. Not everyone got this invitation in Jesus' life, right? There are only a select few that we read about in Scripture where Christ actually says, follow me. There are others who actually came and said, Christ, I want to follow you. And he said, no, stay here. This young man came. Now, God knows his heart, right? Jesus knew what he was going to do. Jesus knew his his, uh, he used the word weakness, I guess, but he knew his, his pride and he knew his covetousness and he knew that this young man had something in his life that he was not going to give up. But he gave him the invitation that we only read about 12 other people getting. Come and follow me. We have to understand that following Christ in your life it's going, to, uh, it's going to ask for sacrifice. I mean, look at the disciples. They said later on in the chapter, God, we've, we've done this. And, and, and Christ explains what they've done in verse 29. Forsaken house, brother, sister, father, mother, wife, children, lands. And they did it all for, for God's namesake. Now listen, in, in many cases, God is not asking you to sell everything that you have. I'm not saying it never happens, but in many cases, in, in the large majority of cases, God is not asking you to give up everything that you have, your material possessions. But there are times that he does. You think of our missionaries. What have they had to give up to go across the ocean? Well, they've had to, to give up time with brothers and sisters. 
times with mothers and fathers. They've had to sell their house. They've had to basically let go of everything that they had worked for up to that point. Now, they had still had their clothes and, and their immediate family, and then they, they go across and they settle somewhere else, so they get a different house and, and different things. But, but a missionary uh, is, not, is not wealthy. Well, how do I know that? Because Bible Pathway Baptist Church sends them $80 a month. They're not wealthy. They give up a lot of things. Some gave up really good jobs. Others surrendered straight out of college and, and they didn't really have much yet. But all of them sacrificed. If God has not called you to leave your home and go to the mission field, He will still call you to surrender something. In order to follow Christ, we have to give up. Why? Because if we don't, it's still about us. If I'm not willing to sacrifice things in my life to follow God, because listen, a lot of times people view religion as a list of, of do's and don'ts, right? Do this, don't do this. Do this, don't do this. So you talk to people, they say, well, I don't want to follow Christ. If I, do, if I follow Christ, then I have to give up whatever. There are people who don't want to give up uh, social things that they do. There are people who don't want to give up entertainment things that they do. There are people who uh, don't give up uh, financial gains or whatever it may be. But at the end of the day, if you're going to follow Christ, you're going to have to sacrifice something. Now what it is, I don't know. That's, that's between you and God. But you're going to have to sacrifice something. Sacrifice is necessary for following God. And we see that through here, Christ telling, telling this man to give up everything, sell it all, and follow me. And then the disciples said, we've done that. And he explains exactly what they've sacrificed in order to follow God. I don't want to discourage you from following God, and that's not my intention here this morning. I want to make sure you understand that following God is, is a true commitment. It's God, whatever you want from me, I will do. And God, whatever you don't want from me, I will give up. I remember uh, when I first became a pastor, um, there were things in my life that I, don't, I still to this day don't think were wrong. But when I became a pastor, I gave them up. Because then I became an example to everyone in the church, and, and I felt it was important that our standard was higher, uh, because what I learned from an older preacher was, if you have a standard here, Everybody else will be at least one or two standards below you in most cases. And if you don't have a high standard, if your standard's down here, then their standard's going to be down here. And if you're going to be the example, you, know, you want to make sure that you set your standards higher. So, of course, we've prayed about our standards. We've talked about that in other sermons, but uh, we prayed about it. But there were things that gave up that weren't bad. See, sometimes we talk about giving up things. We think all the bad things. You know, as a teenager, I don't know if they still do this. Uh, we never did it where I grew up, but I always heard stories of teenagers uh, at the end of a, of a week of camp or something like that. They'd all bring their, their bad CDs in. Uh, you know what those are, right? And they threw them in a trash can. And they burned them all. Uh, you know, we got rid of all the bad music in our life. Um, which is a good way, by the way, because then it's gone. <laughs> you can't just pull it out of a drawer later. Uh, but anyways, uh, that being said, sometimes we talk about sacrifice and we think that means we're getting rid of all the bad things. Now, we need to get rid of all the bad things, but sometimes it's giving up things that, that just aren't helping us. Giving up things that are, in and of themselves are not bad or evil, but they're, they're holding us back from following God. This money that this man had, there's nothing evil about it. He had worked hard, and again, I'm putting some assumption on this, but he had worked hard and he had earned what he had. God didn't say, that money's evil, you've got to get rid of it. No. He said, I want you to follow me. And in order for you to follow me, for this specific person, you need to sell everything that you have because it's going to hold you back from following me. And the young man said, I'm not doing that. So what has God asked you to sacrifice that you've said, I'm not doing that? What has God asked you in your life to sacrifice that you've yet to give up for God? Because I guarantee, if you, if you haven't sacrificed, 
I have a hard time believing you're following God. Christ Himself sacrificed to be followed. He sacrificed to follow His Father. He gave up His life. Sacrifice is necessary to follow God. And that brings us to point number three, and if we can bring it back to this, to this general thought this morning. Financial obedience to God will save you a lot of trouble. Financial obedience to God, not to the church, not to the pastor, to God. Financial obedience to God will save you a lot of trouble. Look in verse number 23. Jesus said unto his disciples, Verily I say unto you that a rich man shall hardly enter into the kingdom of heaven. It's easier for a camel. You know what a camel is, right? He's talking about the animal, just to be clear. It's, they didn't have the other kind yet, I don't think. Uh, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of heaven. Do you know how hard it is for a camel to go through an eye of a needle? I've not been around a whole lot of needle eyes in my life, but the ones that I've been around, they're, they're pretty small. As a matter of fact, they're so small that a little piece of, of, of thread that you have to go through the needle is really hard to accomplish, at least for me. Uh, you know, you're sitting there and you're going, mm, yeah, I almost got it. Oh, is it through? No, no, it's not through. Okay, and you go back and try again. Now, some of you are more skilled than me, so you get it now in a faster time, but you understand that even a little piece of thread to go through an eye of a needle is not easy. And Christ says it is easier for a camel to get through an eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of heaven. Why? Because finances take a hold of our life. And many people are so stuck on their finances that they refuse to understand what God desires for them. And honestly, they refuse to obey. They're unwilling to give up anything that they've earned to follow Christ. And I want to tell you today that financial obedience to God, when God tells you to sacrifice, when God tells you to give, you are better off to obey than to hold on to what you have. Look in verse number 30, it says, Many that are first, a higher level, those that are up at the top, those that you would look at in life and say they are winning in life, those that are first will be last. And the last shall be first. Now we can talk about the importance for humility here. We can talk about different things like that, but fitting into the context of what we're discussing here. Those that have refused to sacrifice, they didn't give up brother and sister, father and mother, house, lands, all the other things. And those that are uh, too wealthy to see their own needs, they'll end up being last. And those that were last, those that, that uh, were dependent on God for everything that they had, that the world would look at and say, man, I feel bad for you. But they just kept their eyes on God. Those will be first. Finances may be one of the hardest areas for people to obey God in. Because a lot of times the things that God tells us to do with our finances, we look at and go, that doesn't make sense. If you're a fiscal person, you have a budget, and you follow that budget. We at the church have a budget, and we, we do pretty good <laughs> following the budget. Uh, you have a budget, and you have it set up, and you say, okay, I've got this much set aside for this thing, I've got this much set aside for this thing, and this much set aside for this thing, and at the end of the year, we should have this much left over uh, from the income that we receive, and we can put it in savings, or we can do it for this project or whatever. And so we plan it all out. And we're told, and wisely so, that if you don't have a plan, you're probably going to fall into some, some issues. And in most cases, the younger you are, the more financial mistakes that you make, and you learn from those things, and you grow from them, and you do better as you get older, for the most part. <laughs> but a lot of times when it comes to our finances, and God says, I want you to give to this person, 
And I want you to give for this cause. Many times, it's not in our budget. So we go, well, if I do that, then I won't have the money for this. Well, if I do that, then I won't be able to do this. Well, I had planned on this, and if I give what God told me to give, then I won't be able to do this. Are you willing to obey God? Are you willing to have faith that what God's doing is better than what you're doing? Because ultimately, that's what it is. 1 Timothy 6, verse 10, the Bible says, The love of money is the root of all evil. I'll go further in just a second, but it's important, right? Because this gets misquoted a lot. A lot of people say the money is the root of all evil. No, the love of money. My desire for it, my heart for it, my passion for it. The love of money is the root of all evil. And the Bible goes on to say, which a uh, whole sum coveted after money, they have erred from the faith and they've pierced themselves through with many sorrows. What he's saying is, people who at one time were following God loved money more than they loved God. And when they did, they coveted after it, then they erred from the faith, and they pierced themselves through with many sorrows. Financial obedience to God will save you a lot of trouble. The reason why many people don't give, it comes to one of two things. Don't give according to what God's told them to give. And again, I stress that. I'm never asking you to give because I want you to give. You have to pray and ask God, God, what do you want me to give? And whatever he tells you, you do. Two reasons why people don't give obediently as God has told them to. Number one, it's a lack of faith. It's a lack of faith. It's, it's not believing that God can handle the situation. Uh, if you're in Matthew, flip back uh, to Matthew chapter 8, a few pages back. Matthew chapter 8. I love this story in Matthew chapter 8. Matthew 8 and verse 23, the Bible says, And when he was entered into a ship, Jesus, and his disciples followed him, and behold, there arose a great tempest in the sea, insomuch that the ship was covered with the waves but he was asleep, and his disciples came to him and awoke him, saying, Lord, save us, we perish. And he saith unto them, Why are ye so fearful, O ye of little faith? Then he arose, and he rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. But the men marveled, saying, What manner of man is this, that even the winds and the sea obey him? What I love about the disciples is I see me. <laughs> I go, oh, thank goodness I'm not the only one who's ever doubted. Oh, thank goodness I'm not the only one who ever overreacted. Oh, thank goodness there are people who God loved and cherished and took care of and forgave and restored who messed up like I do. They had just seen Christ do miracles. And they're in a boat and a storm comes and Jesus is asleep and they go down and they say, Jesus, what is wrong with you? Wake up. Now, again, I'm paraphrasing. Wake up. We're going to die. And from the way we understand it, they were frantic about it. And Christ says to the disciples, why are you afraid? It's almost like he was thinking, do you not just remember all the people we just fed with just a couple fish and loaves of bread? Do you not remember the, the, the leper that, we, that I just healed that no longer has leprosy? Do you not remember the blind person who can now see? Do you not remember the deaf person that can now hear? Do you not remember the dead man who is now alive? Why are you so fearful, O ye of little faith? And you see, when it comes to obedience to God and giving, it's in the same situation where we lack faith. And we say, well, God, if I do this, then this is going to happen. And God, if I do this, then this is going to happen. And God, if I do this, then this is going to happen. And he says, why are you so fearful? Have you not read about the blind man who can now see? Have you not read about the deaf man who can now hear? The dead man who is then alive? The sea that stopped storming when I said, peace be still? Why are you so fearful? You have so much proof that I got this. And yet, when I say obey, you say, I'm too scared. Lack of faith. 
is one reason people don't give. And the other reason is love of money. As we already told you, the Bible says it's the root of all evil. Listen, nothing good can come from the love of money. It's the root of all evil. Romans eleven sixteen says, If the root be holy, so are the branches. Well, then in, in contrast to that, if the root be evil, so are the branches. What do the branches produce? Fruit. So if the root is holy and the branch is holy, the fruit will be holy. If the root is evil, then the branch is evil. And guess what? So is the fruit. Nothing good can come from it. If the love of money is the root of all evil, and you love money instead of God, your fruit is not going to be good. We had a tree at the camp. Uh, uh, so we would take horse rides, trail rides, and we'd, we'd, uh, on, on longer trail rides, we'd ride through this pasture. It was called uh, Persimmon Tree Field. Why do we call it that? Because there's a big persimmon tree in the middle of the field. Uh, so we'd ride past it. And throughout the summer, as we'd, as we'd come past this tree, we'd grab the persimmons off the tree. Has anybody ever eaten persimmons before? Anybody? Nobody? Oh, James? Okay. Has anybody ever eaten bad persimmon before? All right, so uh, persimmon, when ripe, not bad. When not ripe, horrible. So we would ride past and we'd pick the fruit and the persimmon, and we'd give it to a kid on the, on the horse. Or if we had a new guy working with us, we'd give it to them first. And we'd say, oh, persimmons, they're great. You should have one. If you eat an unripe persimmon, immediately you go cottonmouth. Everything dries out. I mean, the worst you've ever experienced. And it's like instant. And you take a bite into it, and all of a sudden it's... You're out in the middle of a field. You're not near... A water fountain, not near a bottle of water. And you're stuck out there in this horse pasture on a horse with this horribly dry mouth, all because of a nasty fruit. I'm sure you've eaten bad fruit before. Sometimes my wife will put uh, uh, blueberries in my lunch. I'm not a huge blueberry guy anyhow, but I like them to be nice and tart. Uh, every now and then, may you get a nasty one. Grapes, every now and then you throw in a nasty grape. Oh, it's not good. Bad fruit is no good. The love of money is the root of all evil, which produces bad fruit. It's no good. Nothing good can come from it. Two reasons why we don't obey God with our money is either lack of faith or love of money, and I guarantee it's one of those two things. The good news is, is God can overcome that. You have a lack of faith, what do you do, God? Forgive me. Lord, I will obey. You have a love of money, you know what? God can take care of that too. God, forgive me. And God will forgive. Lord, now I'll obey you. And God will bless. Missions is one of the most important things we do as a church. When we started the church, it was our, our primary focus. And I think today it is still a centerpiece our, our calendar really revolves around our missions month. It's a very important thing that we do here. It's dependent on the obedience of God's people. We started the church in April of 2014. We had my family and two other families. In August of 2014 is when we did our first ever Faith Promise commitment where we handed out cards and we asked people to pray about what would God have you to give and I'll turn it in, and then whatever we get committed is what we'll know we have to support missionaries with. We had my family and three families in August of 2014. We passed out the cards, we prayed about it, we preached on it, we turned in the cards, and we had $150 per month that we could give to missionaries. So I called three missionaries. We had, we had talked with four missionaries. I called three of the missionaries to say, $50 a month we're going to send you from our church. Two weeks after that, one of those families left. And that family had turned in a commitment card. So we went from my family and three families turning in commitment cards to all of a sudden only having three families left to fulfill that commitment. I didn't give 
and my family didn't give more to make up for that fourth family. And as far as I know, those other two families did not give more to make up for what that other family committed. We were faithful to fulfill our commitment, and guess what? God fulfilled His commitment. And we supported those three missionaries. It wasn't a lot of money. You say, well, that's not, that's not much. $50 a month, that's not a big deal. 150 total from a church, it's not a big deal. It was big for us. And what was bigger for us was to watch God provide the full amount, even though we had one less person giving. The next year, I don't know if it was the next year or the year after, year two or year three, we did Faith Promise again and we turned in our commitment cards and about a month later, one of the families that turned in a commitment card left. God fulfilled His commitment. There's never been a time in our church where what we've committed to give to missions hasn't gone to missions. I guarantee there have been times where people didn't give what they committed. Now, I don't know that for a fact, I guess, but human nature says there's a time where people missed giving or didn't give or forgot to give or were gone for a while, out of church for a while. They obviously didn't give during that time. God always fulfilled His commitment. You know why? It's because missions isn't about me. It's about God. My giving to missions is a commitment that I make to God to obey what He's told me He will provide. It's not God saying, you can afford to do this. It's actually God saying, you can't afford to do this, but you also can't afford to not do it. God says, this is what I want you to give. Will you obey? If you don't want to give to missions, you better not pray about it. If, if, if you're not willing to do what God wants you to do with your missions giving, you better not pray about it. Because when you pray, God will answer. And when God answers, then it's up to you. Do you have the faith to obey God? Or do you love money and lack the faith to do what God wants you to do? Sometimes we get caught up in money and we think, well, you know, if I don't give, this card says it ranges from $5 to $100 and then it has other. And sometimes we think, well, you know, I, I, I can't really afford to do anything. I don't want to do $5 because it's the lowest amount, so I'll do $10. Don't even pray about it. Sometimes there's people who go, you know what, I think I can do $75. Don't even pray about it. That's not faith giving. Faith giving is praying and saying, God, what do you want me to give? And if God says $5, you say, yes, Lord, and you give $5. God can do more with your obedience of $5 than he will ever do with someone's disobedience of a million dollars. Because God doesn't need a million dollars. God has everything. He owns everything. What he desires is your obedience. So you pray and say, God, what do you want me to give? And when God tells you whatever it is, may I encourage you to obey? And if it's a sacrifice, which my guess is it will be, I say, yes, Lord, and sacrifice. The first time that my family gave, me and Katie as a married couple, gave to missions, we gave $15 a month. And that was really, really hard for us. Financially. Really, really hard for us. And maybe you've never been in the situation where you understand that $15 a month is hard to do. It was. But you know what? God always not only provided us the $15 to give each month, but He provided for us the money that we needed for our bills and for our groceries and for occasional fun things to do. God always took care of us. And every year we've asked God, would you raise the amount that we're given? In some years, that raise is $5. In other years, it's more. I'm telling you, if you'll obey God, He'll take care of you. I can personally attest to it. So I encourage you, 
Don't walk away sorrowful because of what God told you to give and you go, I don't want to do that. Be like the disciples. Sacrifice what God asked you to sacrifice. Who do you think had a, a more fulfilled life? The disciples or this rich young man who walked away? I guarantee it was the disciples. Be willing to do what God wants you to do. And I encourage you this morning, would you seek God? Maybe there's an area in your life, I'm not even talking about missions, maybe there's an area in your life this morning that God has already told you to sacrifice and you haven't done it. Maybe there's an area in your life where God has told you to obey and you haven't done it. Well, this morning I encourage you just to go to God and say, God, forgive me and commit to God to follow and obey Him moving forward. Hopefully you've already been praying about your missions giving. Maybe God's already kind of put it on your heart, what He wants you to do this year, and you've already been, been battling back and forth in your mind, thinking, man, that's, that's, that's hard. Man, I encourage you this morning, would you by faith just give it to God? Say, God, if you'll provide it, I'll give it. God, whatever you tell me to do, I will do. Even if it's a sacrifice. Maybe this morning uh, you have a love of money. And maybe God's reminded you that love of money is the root of all evil. And it's going to lead you a lot of pain. I encourage you to go to God this morning and say, God, forgive me. And God, my money is yours. I'll do with it whatever you want me to do. God will take care of you. God's not ignorant of your situation. And He is in control. So let Him have the steering wheel, so to say. Well, let Him take your, take your life and, and take it where it's supposed to be, where God wants it to be. It'll, I promise, be the best place for you. Let's pray. Lord, thank You for Your love for us. God, thank You for the examples throughout history of Your care and Your compassion and Your kindness and Your provision that we can read and see. We have so much more information than the disciples had of You. Yet, Lord, they are so many times more faithful than we are. And we have so much proof of Your goodness. Lord, I pray that You'd help us. I pray that You'd help us to be obedient. Lord, I pray that You'd help us to follow You Lord, we talked about at the beginning of the message this morning about heaven and how we can get to heaven, how we can be saved. And Lord, this morning I pray if there's anyone here who's yet to call on you, that this morning they would and they'd be saved. And Lord, for those that are saved, I pray this morning that we'd be willing to just follow you and obey you. Whatever you tell us to do, that we'll do. And areas that we need to ask for forgiveness today, Lord, I pray that we would see that and that we would truly repent, that we would truly come to you and ask for forgiveness. And Lord, that you'd forgive us. And Lord, that you'd give us the strength that we need to move forward. Lord, give us the wisdom in our giving, that we would give what you desire for us to give. And specific, in this time of year, as we're focusing on missions, Lord, that you would help us to know what we should give to missions this year. And Lord, through our church, we pray that you would bless these, these folks, these families that have surrendered to follow you and serve you in the mission field. So help us this morning, Lord, to do business in the areas that you've spoken to us about. And I pray this in Jesus' name. 